Welcome to Pathway to Faith with Bishop Steve Howe. Turn your expectations high as you receive the word from our man of God. Prepare yourself to hear a life-changing message. Let's tune in now. About one something in the morning, I felt like the Lord was through talking to me. So I, uh, I came down from my study of where I spend a lot of my life. And uh, the strangest thing happened. And uh, maybe there was a sensitivity because of what I had been studying and what I'm going to share with you today. Uh, Most of you, a lot of you uh, have, I'm sure, have experienced it. But for some reason, I, I went downstairs and I laid in the bed. You know, the wife's already in glory land. And it was about one, maybe 110 or 115. I kind of know the time because I looked uh, because certain things were happening. And for some reason, I laid my head at around one something, a little after one on the pillow. And apparently the way that I was laying in the bed, now most of you are going to be able to relate to this, for some strange reason, I could hear my heart beat. Anybody ever had that experience? Where you're laying in bed and maybe your head or your ear were in the pillow a certain way and, and, and you could hear your heart beat. And uh, some of you won't be able to relate to this and some of you can. But when you're 68 and you hear your heart beat, uh, it takes on a greater significance. Because a lot of folk never heard their heart beat at 68. Because they didn't make it. But for some reason, maybe because of the sensitivity that has been generated in my heart because of the message. Just listening to my heart. Was. An attention getter. As I was listening to my heart, I realized the only reason I could hear it was because it was pumping. And then for some strange reason, I realized that if I could not hear my heart beat, if it stopped pumping, then I would cease to exist on this side of the Jordan. What a blessing that our hearts are beating. Oh, Jesus, you've given a lot of attention to a lot of things, but very little attention to your heart. But we're here today because our hearts are still beating. Stay with me now. The title of the message today is The Heart of the Matter. The Heart of the Matter. Just before I delve into the Word of God, It certainly would be in order and right and fitting. I want to thank all of the people who honored me, uh, who blessed me, uh, who who showed expressions, yeah, of appreciation with your cards and your gifts. I say this from the beginning because of where my heart is. And I want to thank you for every card and every word that that you had on the card. It was clear to me that some of you had given great thought to the card that you chose. And I would not uh, dishonor you by you taking the liberty to express honor and appreciation by giving me a card and not read it. So I want to thank you 
for everyone who took the time out of your busy schedule after watching me serve in this house for over 30-something years of my life. For you to make it a, a point of duty or of love. To say, God, I thank you for this man that you've allowed him to live 68 years and to be my pastor. I want to thank you. I, I want to thank you. Because it's not promised that I'll see another one. Because it's not promised that the rapture might not come or will come before we see another year. But something happened when I heard my heart. And then I realized that if I'm going to say thank you, I need to say it now. So again, thank you for your expressions of appreciation and your expressions of love and the seed that you sowed to my life as a result of that love. I want you to know today that I appreciate it. I appreciate your love and I appreciate your expressions of love because not everybody expressed their love. Not everybody released honor. Oh, they say they love me with their mouths. <laughs> Because that doesn't cost anything. So today I want to minister on the subject of the heart of the matter. Can somebody say amen? amen? Go ahead and give me nugget number one and we'll go through this. Amen. Glory to God. I'll try to get through it because I really sense God wants to do something. Amen. And I'm just going to be obedient to what he said to do and expect some powerful things to happen. Ready? Let's read. Come on, say it again. T turn to your neighbor and, and say it. Say it loud enough that it'll at least somewhat come through the mass. Say, say neighbor, how is your heart? Yeah, how is, how is your heart? Heart is so vitally important. Uh, a nugget number two, please. Nugget number two. The heart symbolizes the center of one's innermost being. The heart. Number three, please. Come on, say it out loud. Those of you on our e-church, you need to participate. Don't just sit there, you know, like you don't be involved. It's important that you engage yourself. Ready? Say it again. God will do what? God, God will test the heart. No, let's, let's, let's deal with the heart right now. We'll deal with your head a little later. But notice, God will test your heart. It's amazing to me, the people that God stepped over to get to somebody that none of us would have ever chosen. A nugget number four. Ooh, Jesus. Man, that'll make you shout. God is what? Yeah, God is an interior decorator. We're, more, we're, we're, uh, we're exterior decorators. You know, we, we put on makeup and, and put on hair and put on eyelashes and put on fancy expensive clothes and, and we put on uh, expensive perfume like Avon and high karate and English lather. I mean, we, we, put on, we put on things on the exterior. But, but, but God, come on, say but God. God is an interior decorator. Ooh, Jesus. Nugget number five. When God looks at us, 
He looks at us from the inside. That's why he never makes a mistake with us. And that's why other people make mistakes with you. Because they look at you from the outside. And they think because you look good on the outside that you're good on the inside. But God doesn't look on the outside. God looks on the inside. Because sometimes my outside doesn't really reflect what's going on on my inside. On the outside, sometimes I don't look like nothing. But on the inside, God is working with me. Yeah, 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 yeah. Nugget number six, let's end it with this. Satan can feel, not can, he will feel an unguarded heart. Can I just go ahead, Minister Clayton, today? If there's one or two things that you want to always stay away from, what did I say? You want to always stay away from a spirit of offense and you want to run as fast as you can away from unforgiveness. Unforgiveness in your heart will blind you to the truth. Unforgiveness in your heart will make you ugly first on the inside. Unforgiveness in your heart can cause stiffness in your joints because you're holding something on the inside of you that you're supposed to release. Not only that, but holding unforgiveness in your heart will rob you from getting a prayer through. So if you have unforgiveness in your heart, there's no need for you to pray because God's not listening. So there are a lot of folk who have spent a lot of time in what I call wasted prayer. You can't pray and be jealous. You can't pray and be envious. Are you listening to me? You can't pray and get a prayer through and you're a gossiper, a talebearer. Ooh, Jesus. And how can you pray to God if your heart is not right? And if you're holding unforgiveness, and if you are offended on anything, your heart is not right. You've heard me say it, it's the truth. If you can be offended, you will be. Because the devil will find out Amen. What part of your fence can be rattled? So the only way to override a spirit of offense, because all of us will have marvelous opportunities to be offended. This is why offense and unforgiveness is is so dangerous. Have you ever been around somebody who was offended or had unforgiveness in their hearts? And then they'll tell you, what somebody said, but you heard them, the person that they said what they, you heard them say it too, but they heard it one way and you heard it another. You know, Pastor Hal said, and they're going to say it, and you're looking at him and say, he didn't say that. But they heard it differently than you did because their hearts were not right. Ooh, Jesus. Is this blessing anybody? Now, now let's get busy. Let's go to Proverbs chapter 23. Or Proverbs chapter 4, I'm sorry, verse 23. Proverbs chapter 4. And let's look at verse 23. The Webster Dictionary defines heart as one's innermost character. 
one's innermost character, inclination. The essential, the Webster Dictionary defines the heart as the essential vital part of something. The essential, the most vital part of something. The heart. There are a lot of folk who are sick and can't get well because their hearts are not right. There are some people, there are some things that God desires to do in their lives, but it can't happen because their hearts are not right. Oh, Jesus. And then there are some folk who are absolutely outright mad that God has chosen you to do something because they think they are a better choice. Proverbs chapter 4, you there? Look at verse 23, ready? Uh, Let's read it from the screen so we can sound in unison. Ready? Keep your heart, go ahead. Everything with God, if you don't hear nothing else, you need to hear this. Everything with God is about the heart. I've had people get mad at me because I didn't choose them. But I didn't choose them because God didn't tell me to choose them. And then later on, sometimes years later, I discover why God didn't choose them. Because God knew their hearts were not right. Their motives were not pure. The reason they wanted it was for selfish reasons and not for kingdom reasons. And sometimes it wasn't the person that I was dealing with. It was their spouse that God was holding in check. Ooh, Jesus. Then you get mad at me over the choices I made, not realizing that it wasn't your choice to make. You're called to follow as I follow Christ. Who Jesus. So you run the risk of getting offended if you think God has called you to my position. Because God will show me things he won't show you. Why? Because you're not the leader. And God knows I can't lead successfully without his involvement. And God's not required to tell you what he's going to tell me. He's a God of order. Your challenge is you have a problem following. You have a problem following because your heart is not right. And if your heart is not right being a follower, you will be poisoned as a leader. Oh, Jesus. The heart symbolizes the center of one's innermost being. I love, I love uh, the music department today, and I was, I was especially blessed by the praise team and the lyrics that they chose. And, and I was, uh, uh, because uh, I was raised by a father who, who, who taught me correctly about following orders, Minister Clayton, uh, it, it, it enabled me, one, to stay out of jail. It also helped me when I met, went to the military. Because when I went to the military, uh, the things that they said, the superior officer, uh, whatever they said was not a suggestion. And so I didn't struggle in the military because when my dad said something to me, my daddy said something to me, it was not a suggestion. So my daddy didn't have to tell me to sit down three times. Or five times before I sat down. When my daddy told me to do something, I did it. Because I knew by the way he raised me, it wasn't a suggestion. So when I began as a young lad to get into the word of God, I didn't struggle with the things in the word of God. Because as I began to read the word of God, God reminded me of the character of my father. God means what he said. My daddy meant what he said. 
And I come to realize if you'll learn to conduct yourself that way, you'll walk in the blessings of God. So when the praise leader on the platform and I'm behind the wall, he said, lift your hands and give God praise. Guess what I was doing behind the wall? Because you can't lead if you don't know how to follow. Oh, God. So let's, let's go to the first synoptic gospel. This, this is going to bless you. As, as a, a, a brother, uh, Mike Freeman, um, was, was saying different things about loving God in, 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 his, in his worship song. And it, it so blessed me. But, but I realized that we can say a lot of things in church out of our mouths, but it is not the true reflection of our heart. Are you in Matthew chapter 15? Look, look at verse, oh God, our time. Look at verse number 19. Matthew 15, verse 19, the heart of the matter. Look at that. Look what Jesus said. He says, for out of the what? For out of the heart proceeds evil thoughts. Did we read Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23? What did it say? It said to do what? To guard your heart. For out of it, one translation says, above all else, guard your heart. Why? Because out of it flows the issues of life. And then here in Matthew 15, verse number 19, Jesus says, for out of the heart proceeds evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornication, fornications, fornications. People are fornicating because their hearts are not right. Are, are you listening to me? People are murdering other people because their hearts are not right. People are engaged in adultery. Why? Their hearts are not right. Come on and say amen. amen. People are lying on other people. And it's easy to lie now and malign people. You can get on these electronic devices and you can literally uh, annihilate somebody with nothing but lies. You can destroy a person's reputation. And everything you're saying on Facebook is nothing but a lie. And everything you're putting on Snapchat is nothing but a lie. You got your, 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 your uh, portrait out there. That's your head in somebody else's body. Or vice versa. You don't look like that. Talking about your glamour shot. You're not that glamorous. You're fooling people. And then getting mad when we finally personally meet each other and I'll look like I'm shocked because I am. Because you don't look like your Facebook picture. Okay, I'm a Baptist boy. I know when I need to move on. So in Matthew 15, 19, Jesus says, for out of the heart proceedeth evil thoughts. And he goes on and on and on. And, and listen to me. And today the lid is off. The Pandora box is open in this country. And we're doing all of this mess today in the name of free speech. And free expression. Are you listening to me? I'm telling you perhaps the most vile, evil, conniving, treacherous animal on the planet is humanity. Man, we'll kill you for nothing. 
on you just simply because we don't like what you have, something that we don't have. Ooh, Jesus. Mm-hmm. And those of you who stay home on uh, Thanksgiving offering Sunday, some of you call it first fruits. I ain't mad at you. It's your heart. It's your heart. Then you walk up in here today talking about hallelujah. Come on, let's stop playing games. All right, let me prove it with scripture. Back, back up for a moment. Look at, uh, look at verse number eight, same chapter. It's not going to pop on the screen because they didn't have this, but, but I'm flowing. Look, look at verse number eight. If you're mad at me now, I'm going to make you even madder in a minute. Because the truth of the matter, you're not mad at me. You're mad at the word. I'm only teaching the word. But the reason you're mad about it is because your heart's not right. And rather you sitting there saying, it's me, oh Lord, and repent. All we did last Sunday was offer a Thanksgiving offering as unto the Lord corporately as a church. Call it what you want to call it. But the reason you have an issue with it is because your heart is not right. And the real truth, your heart is not right about money. Because whatever the preacher calls it, if your heart is right about money, you can let it go. And the reason you can't let it go is because you don't have money. Money's got you. And these are the kind of things you say when your heart's not right. All they talk about at that church is money. Man, I preach on faith. I preach on healing. I preach, I preach about the, uh, uh, the, the seven letters to the seven. I mean, I teach Genesis to Revelation. But the reason you're stuck on money is because your heart's not right. If all we talked about was money, we wouldn't be blessed like we're blessed. But while you're stuck and offended about money, the Bible speaks more about money than any other subject other than the kingdom. And how can God trust you with more? I don't care what you think you got. You're never going to know what you forfeited. Ooh, Jesus. I will. You think you're getting by and you're doing okay because of what you have, but you don't know what you forfeited. You don't know what you forfeited for this coming year. Because you got an issue about money. And the way you settle the issue about money, just give it all to God. Just give it all to him. God, everything I have, it belongs to you. Release yourself so that the devil can't rob you of the blessings of God. Because sometimes, amen, by you disqualifying yourself concerning money, it's not money you need. Sometimes you need healing. Sometimes you need your children to straighten up and fly right. So you're not hurting us, you're hurting yourself. Because your heart's not right. Oh, Jesus. Look, look at this, verse, verse number eight. These people draw near to me with their mouths. You all see that? And honor me with their lips. I'm sorry, Jesus. I can really relate to this passage of scripture because they do me the same way. But their hearts are far from me. And, and I have to testify again. My wife knows this is perhaps my, my greatest struggle as a pastor because, because I'm not like Jesus. 
I'm, I'm working to be like him, but I'm not there yet. This is perhaps my hardest test in my Christian walk. Because it, it, it does something on the inside of me when somebody got the nerve to walk up in my face and try to, try to talk to me and, 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 and say smoothing words to me like they like me and like they're in my corner and like they agree with what I'm preaching. And then go out of here and get some carnal member of Harvest Church or some new member and, and shoot them in their ears and, and poison them to what God has called me to do in this house. That, that's a real challenge. Because there's some members you can't hang around and stay hooked up to me. You better hear me. And I don't care if they sit on the front row. Ooh, Jesus. Jesus said, you, you, you say different things uh, you draw near to me and you say different things out of your mouth, but your hearts are far from me. Now, we know if I keep it in context, this is Jesus. He's he's dealing with with the uh, with the scribes and the Pharisees. He's dealing with the religious leaders. And if you read the whole text, as I'm trying to keep it in context, Jesus in turn, now he has to turn and deal with the disciples. And the disciples get Jesus in the corner and said, wait, wait, wait a minute, Jesus. What you just said, you, you, you done made the church leaders mad. You done made them mad. And, and notice Jesus, he called them hypocrites. Now, hypocrisy in, in context of the scripture, what, what Jesus is terming, ter, terming hypocrisy is not what we call hypocrisy today. I mean, we call it everything hypocrisy. But what Jesus was saying when he called, he called the, the Pharisees and the scribes, he said, you hypocrites. You try to brush up to me with your words, but your heart is far from me. You hypocrites. What Jesus was saying is that, that, that you're, you're, like, you're like Hollywood. You're just actors. And in church, you have actors. Mm -hmm. In church, some people are just acting. You say you love Jesus, but you're just acting. You already know that Jesus know you, but you're just trying to fool us. You're just acting. And I don't know why people pay all this money to go to acting school, to go to Hollywood. You can get the best ones in the church. All you have to do is give them their line, give them their script, give them a couple of days to go over it, and they'll regurgitate it. Saying hallelujah, it don't mean nothing to you. Thank you, Jesus. It's just a word of expression. You're just talking, it's just hot air. It's getting quiet. Oh, Jesus, the heart of the matter. Let's, let's go to Psalms uh, verse 7. I mean, Psalms chapter 7, real quick. Oh, my, I got to get busy. Psalms chapter 7. I could have stayed there because we do a whole lot of things. We get up and sing songs, and God is nowhere in our lives. We ain't talked to God all week. Then get up and talk about, Jesus, I love you. And Jesus on the sideline saying, you do? I haven't seen you all week. You, you say you love me? When's, when's the last time you spent time with me in the word? Not at church, but just you and I. Only time I hear from you is when you're in a crisis. Ooh, Jesus. You say you love me? When's the last time you, you, just, you just showered me with love, a praise and worship? Not with a band, not with a worship team. Just you singing out of your heart, making melody as unto the Lord. 
Who, Jesus? Uh, you're just acting. You're just acting. Because if you were truly walking with God, your life will go from faith to faith and from glory to glory. This time next year, you would not be in the same spot if you're really spending time with God. You tell the devil to get back and he doesn't have to get back. It's getting quiet now. But I'm saying these strong things because uh, a strong wind is blowing. I heard the preacher say the other day, standing in this pulpit from Junction City, uh, by the Spirit of God, he said, those of you who are in this house who are staying home, he said, you need to come back to the house. He said, just like when Noah was building the ark, he said, he said, everybody who was saved was on the ark. And he said, you better get back in the house of God. And some of them heard it, and they still haven't budged because they really don't believe it's going to rain. Oh, Jesus. Why is it they don't believe, preacher? Because their hearts are not right. And because their hearts are not right, they can't hear. And because they can't hear correctly, they can't obey correctly. Are you in Psalms 9? I mean, Psalm, what did I say? Psalms chapter 7? Okay, don't get, don't get upset. Look at verse 9. Oh, let the wickedness of the wicked come to an end. But establish the just for the righteousness of God test the hearts and what? And mine. Perhaps this last year or two has been the greatest test we've ever faced in our Christian life. Never in my life have I gone to church for over a year and nobody was there but me and a few folks working the cameras. Never in our lifetime, and I could probably say for uh, Dad Clayton, Minister Clayton, that perhaps in, in your lifetime, how old are you, sir? 91. He's 91. In, in, your, in your 91 years of life, have you ever seen the things you've seen in the last couple of years concerning the world and the church? Have you ever in your lifetime experienced a time when, when the church doors were shut? I'm talking about the physical building. We know we are the real church. And, and here's the thing. By law, we were not allowed to come in. Ah. You have to watch that. Uh. Because man, his heart is exceedingly wicked. Now that he has discovered that he can close the church doors temporarily. Do you not think he would someday consider? And look at the people who said they were people of God who backslid under the temporary closing. Jesus. Let's, 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 let's move on. I'm going to close with this. Go to 1 Samuel chapter 16. I'm, I'm going to close with this. 1 Samuel chapter 16. Look at the verse 7. Quickly now, our time is almost gone. 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 7. But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look at his appearance or his physical stature, because I have refused him. For the Lord does not see 
as man sees. For man looks at the outward appearance. Come on, church. But the Lord, come on. But the Lord, come on now. But the Lord, we got to cut through the chase. This is the story where the prophet Samuel, he goes to Jesse. And he says to Jesse, he said, listen, he said, you have to have some sons because the Lord spoke to me to come to your house because I have to anoint one of your sons because your son is going to be the next king of Israel. Now, now you get a hold of this because King Saul is rejected. Now, we know King Saul was chosen by men. But the next king is going to be chosen by God. The mess you got in, you got in it because you made a decision. But now that you realize you're no qualified to make the decision, your next decision is going to come from God. And everything you messed up, amen, when you make this next move by the Spirit of God, it's going to fix everything that's broken. And so God speaks through the prophet uh, Samuel and he says to Jesse, he said, call your sons in. Because I got to anoint one of your boys. We know the story he brought, you know, naturally, you, you know, you pick the one that you just you just know got to be the one. And, and so Jesse told one of his boys, come on in, tall, handsome, smart, you know, probably, you know, reliable. And the man of God said, it ain't him. And Jesse said, well, that's all right. I got to know. Another one came in. Man of God said, it ain't him either. And the Bible says he brought before the man of God seven sons. And the man of God said, God has rejected all seven of them. Get the story. So the man of God says, now, wait a minute. I know the voice of God. And I wouldn't be at your house if God didn't send me. Now, somewhere, I don't know where. I don't know if you had one out of wedlock or what, but somewhere you got another son. Read it in, in context and you'll see that I'm, that I'm in the bounds of Scripture or the boundaries. And and notice that it took the prophet to tell Jesse about his family. He said, wait a minute. You're standing here like it's over. And I'm telling you that God hasn't chosen any one of these boys you brought before me. You got another son somewhere. Now, first... It's clear that if Jesse had anything to do with it, he wouldn't have chosen this particular son. He already had seven chances to choose and he never brought this boy up. And then after he got finished with the seven choices, he tried to act like that that was it until the man of God spoke up. Because you got another son? And maybe, maybe just was struggling because he wasn't all sure if that was his. You know, back then they didn't have blood tests. <laughs> you know how we act when we're not sure? <laughs> you ought to see your faces. You know how we act when we're not sure? I'm going to leave that alone. He said, he said so Jesse, so, so the, the prophet says to Jesse, he said, listen, we're not going to sit down and eat and act like the mission that God has sent me here to accomplish is accomplished. We're not going to stand and shout and praise God like we've obeyed him. He said, we're not going to sit down. And so Jesse, he said, well, well, now that I think about it, 
you're laughing, but perhaps Jesse, perhaps Jesse hadn't seen his baby boy in a while. And you know how it is when you haven't seen your child in a while. Sometimes you just forget because you haven't seen them. Mm-hmm. He said, oh, 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 yeah, yeah. He said, yeah, I got, I got one more. But, but he, he's just a little young fella. He's out there with the sheep. In other words, he's stinking. And if we bring him up in this house, he's going to fumigate the place. And I don't know if you're going to uh, continue to want to eat something after you smell this boy. He said, well, not sit down until you bring him. What I want you to get is notice the heart of David's father. We're talking about the heart of the matter. That David was nowhere in his daddy's heart. If it had not been for the man of God, he never would have chosen. Because the father was choosing his sons based upon their acting. See, parents, you have to, ooh, I'm going to help you now. You have to be careful when you got more than two or three or four or five children. Because sometimes you're inclined to think that if the Lord bless you to get old, that one that's hanging around you all the time is going to be the one to take care of you. And sometimes the one that's going to come through at your most needed hour will come from that child who called you the least, who checked on you the least. But when you got in a crisis, they're the first to show up. Oh, don't panic. If you're going to do it, do it right. Are you listening to me? And so here comes David. If you read it, it says that he, he, he was ruddy, which just simply means that he was redheaded and, and, and hot-headed. He, he wasn't just redheaded, he was hot-tempered. Maybe that's why daddy put him out there with the sheep. He, was, he wasn't just redheaded, but he was hot-headed. And when you when you watch his life, you'll see you didn't fool with David. But the Bible says that God chose David. Here comes David stinking, needing a bath, needing a haircut. He's been out there with the sheep so long. He looks like a sheep. And here he comes. And he comes before the man of God. And the prophet of God said, he's the one. And took the horn of oil and poured it on this young teenage boy. Poured it on him and anointed him, stating that you're the next one in line. You're the next king of Israel. Hold on now. He's God's choice. Now, now, can I just jump a little ahead of of the whole text? He's God's choice, but didn't God know that he was going to commit adultery? The, The Bible says he's God's, but didn't God know that he was going to sleep with another man's wife? Y'all getting quiet in this Pentecostal church. Didn't God know that ahead of time? And didn't God know that, that David was going to send this woman's husband ahead of the line? To be killed in the battle? To try to cover up his sins? Didn't God know that? And then Uriah, he was killed out there in the battle. And then David started walking around with his chest stuck out. uh, He done impregnated this man's wife. Didn't David know that there was going to be a price for the sin? But the Bible says that David was a man after God's own heart. How could God say that? He's committed adultery. 
He's had the woman's husband killed to try to cover himself. And then God had to send the prophet back to him. And finally David repented. Notice you never hear in the Bible ever again of David having another man's wife. Huh? Because he repented. Here's my point. Why did God overlook those other seven boys and choose a young man who he knew was going to commit adultery and murder? And then why did God call him a man after his own heart, having done the things that he had committed? Ooh, Jesus. Because God knows all of us make mistakes. All of us make mistakes. All of us come up short. But the thing that restores you and keep you qualified is your heart. Is your heart. Because once that thing is reflected in your face because your heart is right, you repent. You're broke. God, I'm sorry. Are you listening to me? Oh, Jesus. So God doesn't choose us based upon the qualifications of man. And God doesn't choose you because you're perfect. He chooses you because your heart is right toward him. Wow. What an amazing message. Thank you for listening to our Pathway to Faith broadcast. If you're ever in the Kansas City metro area, join Bishop and Dr. Howe at Harvest Church International Outreach, 4300 North Corrington Avenue, Kansas City, Missouri, 64117. Or catch our services live online at www.harvestchurchkc.org. Be blessed.